This is the Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Omnichannel Marketer. This is your host, Kate Stevens. Today, I'm here with a friend of mine, Kai Lim, the founder of Reprise. Hi, Kai. Hi, Kate. Okay, so Kai, why don't we start with a little bit about your personal background and what led you to found Reprise? Yeah, so I grew up in Singapore, and you know, I've always been someone who who doesn't really like to take risk. It's just the culture that I grew up in. And yeah, it's a non-risk-taking culture, but I always felt, you know, something was missing. I did a classic kind of career where I, you know, started my career with, with Boston Consulting Group and went on to do my MBA in with Harvard. And that was when I met David, who, you know, is my co-founder, always been an entrepreneur and convinced me in a way that to take a big leap of faith. And that's when we started Reprise. So yeah. Reprise, you know, as a brand, I think it stands for a lot. It's something that's pretty personal to us because as kids, we both grew up taking traditional Chinese medicine uh, from our grandma. And as adults, we are both, you know, just pretty lost touch with the practice, found it confusing, pretty intimidating. And so when we started on this journey, we spoke to Harvard professors who are you know, both Eastern and Western trained doctors. We spoke to experts in the field. We stood outside herb shop to speak to people who are like passing by, but not, you know, taking, but not going in. And yeah, we pretty much found out that there's that huge emotional hurdle when it comes to traditional Chinese medicine or Eastern medicine. And that's what motivated us to, to build Reprise. So tell me a little bit more about what Reprise is. Yeah. So Reprise is a brand that is rooted in traditional Eastern medicine. And our mission is pretty simple. We want to make it more, we want to make the practice more relatable and more accessible so that more people would take that very first step to try taking Chinese herbs. And so what does that look like right now? So we have two forms of innovation so far. The first form is thinking through how we can make the process or taking that first step much more seamless. So we work with a team of Harvard doctors to build an algorithm that can recommend you the right herbs. So as a user or customer, when you go on our website, the first thing you would see that is highly featured is sort of a quiz that you can take. And that quiz aims to mimic the experience of speaking to an Eastern doctor. So at the end of that quiz, you get recommended the right combination of herbs based on your health goals and also your body constituent, like whether you are yin deficient, yang deficient, or maybe you are, you have a balanced body, right? And then the second form of innovation that we have really comes more from my personal experience, just taking herbs like ginseng and reishi. If you have ever tried them, they can taste pretty bitter. Actually, Kate, have, have you ever tried ginseng or, or reishi? Or only, only through your product, not as direct herbs. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah. So I grew up, David grew up the same. I, I guess a lot of Asian household might grow up the same way where you have a grandma who will brew you like ginseng tea. 
And after brewing the tea, uh, you can smell ginseng all over the kitchen. Now that I'm an adult, you know, I'm accustomed to smell. I actually like it. But when you first start taking that, that could be very intimidating because it's very pungent. It's very strong. So yeah, the second form of innovation is we put these herbs that traditionally would be too strong for someone starting out into gummies that you mentioned so that uh, they can be fruity, they can be tasty, and it encourages you to take that constantly. And are you, like, is your initial consumer base, are you targeting, you know, Asian Americans or, you know, how do you think about your target customer? Yeah, that's a good one. So when we first started, maybe this is too much detail, we even launched a fake brand called Yo-Yo before Reprise. The sole purpose of Yo-Yo is exactly to test whether someone is willing to do the quiz or whether who our audience is. And I would say that our initial hypothesis and also mission was to bring this to wider Americans, so not Asian Americans. And that was our audience when we first started. I would say it was pretty balanced. We have audiences from different age range, from you know millennials to Gen Zs, and also have audiences who are Asians or non-Asians. But the report that I just put in recent months and also from our social teams, we realized that we actually skew rather heavily on Asian Americans. Interestingly, I think it's the nostalgia that they have, but also just the fact that maybe this is something they've experienced and grew up with, and they already there's less educational hurdle. Mm-hmm. And I would say right now the ratio is almost like evenly split, right? Like maybe 50% of our customers are Asian Americans against the ratio of you know, the demographics of the country, I think that's pretty heavy. And, you know, that's probably a good transition to what's the first channel that you launched in and how did you think about that? So the first channel that we launched in was online on our website, so D2C. The goal is to reach mass audience fast so that we can test, A-B test a lot of things quickly. I mentioned the fake brand YoYo before we launched. That was also why we started D2C. Uh, YoYo proved out to us that strangers on the internet they're willing to give us their time when it comes to health and wellness time is often the most valuable commodity but we proved out that people were willing to spend you know five maybe ten minutes taking a quiz which is could be counterintuitive to a lot of consultants that you know were trying to get us to cut things about quiz mm-hmm. and so yeah that gave us confidence to to actually go full in into reprise and also why we chose that channel. So, you know, now now where are things and how are you thinking about future channel launches? I know, you know, Kai, you specifically lead up the the wholesale side of the business. So talk to me a little bit more about that side. Yeah, wholesale, wholesale is really a channel that I'm pretty much focused on right now. And when we say wholesale here, it's not the traditional uh, retailers. Specifically, we are working and partnering with acupuncturist clinics. Yes, and I'm heading that. When it first started, we actually weren't focused on retail at all. It came to my desk when we got our first inbound email from a clinic that was very interested. And very soon, we got five other emails. And that's when we realized this could potentially be a great source of distribution for us. I personally love this channel because I feel that audiences and Customers often look for authority when they are consuming a product, kind of parallel to how, you know, if you go to a dental clinic, you get the dentist's advice on what 
toothbrush or toothpaste you should use. So the fact that acupuncturists reached out to us uh, gave me confidence that they could be a very valuable partner. And acupuncturists is also one of the fastest growing wellness industry in the US. So when we align with them, we could also build the similar trust within the community. And now that I had it, I, I pretty much uh, started outreaching rather than waiting for inbounds. Mm-hmm. And so what, you know, what were some successes and failures in or, or learnings in launching in acupuncture stores? Yeah, I think the successes is when I made a sale. So the biggest success, I think, is from speaking directly with the acupuncturists and learning that this concept is something that they personally were excited about when they were in acupuncture school. So anecdotally, I've spoken to maybe at least five acupuncturists who've told me the exact same thing, which is like, I can't believe you guys, you know, outside of the industry, someone who is not an acupuncture thought of putting herbs into gummies because that's something that we have always discussed in school as acupuncturists. Hmm. And the reason is because they also see an alignment in that a lot of customers or patients that they have are unable to take that very first step, either because they dislike pills or they have too many pills or they just can't keep up with the routine of swallowing pills every day. So that to me is a very strong success proof point Hmm. in that they're very aligned with our products. Another success proof point for me is our herb manufacturer. We work with KPC, which is an herb supplier that is very renowned in the space. And so oftentimes when you go to acupuncturist clinics and they are giving you herbs, one of the biggest, very fundamental question they will have is what is the quality of the extracts that you're using? And with KPC, we almost get an automatic check mark in, mm. in that because they know that we're using the same extracts or granules that's being put into the pills that they're buying, then we pretty much have the same quality as the pills that they're using. Failure is interesting. I think, I think there are still acupuncturists who has a very strong perspective on, a very purist perspective on what an herb should be or how it should be consumed. So there are like, one or two clinics that I've spoken to where they came on pretty strongly, where they said, look, I don't think it should be in a gummy form. And I think that comes from, you know, some, it's something that I respect, but also it comes from a very strict view of what, of the way that can be consumed. Yeah, makes sense. And so you guys are also, you know, pretty active on Amazon as a channel. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, Amazon Amazon is also a relatively new channel for us. We it hasn't been our focus till maybe in the last one or two months. And I think that channel is very similar to the acupuncturist channel in the sense that it started because we started seeing demand. That's that basically demand side forces that were telling us, hey, people are trying to get products on Amazon, so we naturally should be on it. But yeah, I think the biggest hurdle there for us is that a lot of supplements that are on Amazon. So how do you differentiate yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, the, the, the upside there, I think is there are a lot of supplements, but not a lot rooted in traditional Chinese medicine. So for example, take one of our products like Panax Ginseng Gummies. We already see that we're climbing up pretty fast in terms of ranking for that particular product because there's just not a lot of Panax Ginseng Gummies out there mm-hmm. that 
you can trust with the quality of the herbs or extracts that they're from. And what are other ways that you're building trust for, you know, an Amazon buyer or, you know, how it's, it's, I think, clear to me from like the acupuncture's you know, how mm-hmm. you're providing that level of trust, but how from the, you know, D2C or Amazon consumer, how do you provide that same level of trust? That's a great question. I, I think that it's always a cross-channel effect. So just being in clinics and visually being associated with clinics, I think that trust that's built on one channel does get across to others, right? So we have customers who might have first came across us in the clinics, and then decide to move on later to buy from Amazon or to go on our website and eventually check out the quiz and purchase from us. I think other ways that is very commonly utilized to build trust is essentially social proof. So we have, you know, many customers' testimonials attesting to how the product has worked for them. And that also, I think, helped in a way. Which is a good transition to, you know, how do you think about your end-to-end brand experience across all of your channels? Yeah, I think we've thought a lot more about the online to offline, but not so much from offline to online. And the reason is because we started D2C. So, for example, you know, I think we have the classic structure of a of classic foundational pieces of a D2C startup that includes you know, how do you get them from an ad to a landing page to eventually a conversion? We also have the classic email marketing team that's working on how do you engage and retain our customers and also inform them of the different other channels that are coming through. So for instance, when we get into a clinic or when we get into a retail shop, we often collab with our partners to, to announce where we're available, right? But from an offline to online perspective, I don't think we have done a lot. QR code is definitely in something we have been thinking about. And I think there's a lot of potential in, in that, especially for our brand, because we have always thought about how our retail packaging, which is currently being worked on, could be better, right? For instance, how can someone go from as a retail customer to eventually scanning a code, realizing that they could actually do a quiz or scanning a code and finding out and learning more about the brand or learning more about the herb. Because as I say, making making this practice more accessible is part of our goal. And that involves a lot of education. So that's the way we see it now. Makes complete sense. You know, how are you thinking about how your retail packaging might need to be different than your current D2C packaging? Well, that is a lot that will be very different. And this comes from, you know, feedback either from our partners or from our customers. Right. We, we love to actually, I personally love engaging with my customers directly. So I do one on one interviews with them. I also do one on one interviews with my wholesale accounts. And I would say two things that would be a very big difference. Right. One is the, the pack size. Currently, each of our pouches, you know, 45 gummies in each pack because we're able to communicate the reason behind why 45. Right. If you go to our online site, you realize that we usually encourage the customers our customers to take maybe one gummies a day for the first two weeks before ramping it up to two. And that accounts for the 45. But with a retail environment, you don't have the luxury of, of having a landing page. So the customer sees your product, they make the decision right there and then. So I think the, the count of the gummies is going to be different. If it's a 30-day supply, maybe it's 30 days, 30 gummies or 60 gummies, but it's not going to be as complex. Also in retail environment, the price point might have to be different, right? That is, 
uh, different price point that everyone knows you don't want to exceed. Moving on to a topical focus that you feel bold or passionately about. What's something that you feel passionately about? Something I feel passionate about. Well, beyond beyond traditional is the medicine topic. I think something that I personally feel passionate about is just uh, consumer psychology. That's something that I have started looking into a lot. Uh, consumer behavior, psychology. I realized that it's really interesting how micro stuff that you do could affect how someone perceive your product mm. or even perceive the offer that your brand is bringing out. Right. And so, for instance, if you, if you just look at our website, when you try to buy our product, you see three different offers. That's something that we often call like there's a sacrificial product in the mix, right? Where I have no intention of really selling that, but I put it there just so that it makes another offer look a lot more attractive. Hmm. But what's also interesting going down this path is I realized that the sacrificial product I put in the mix end up becoming something that uh, consumers really like and became the most popular choice among the three. So I think that's what I find very intriguing because there are all these theories, but until you test them, you don't really know, you know, why, or you, you can't really predict what a consumer behavior might be. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then I think the second part of it, which is why I said I love talking to my consumers is you can come to a room and you can hypothesize the 10 different reasons why certain thing might be. But until you speak to someone who actually was the one making the decision, you, all those theories could all be just false. How have you been learning more about consumer behavior? Have you, you know, been reading books or has it just been through testing, you know, with reprise? No, testing thing is definitely one of the things we do, but a big part of it is also there are, there are quite a number of newsletters that, that speak to consumer psychology. I think one of them is even called consumer psychology. Oh, cool. Well, that is a good transition to our lightning round. Okay, just you know, quick answers here. Favorite omni-channel brand? Ninja. Mm, yes, love Shark Ninja. Thing you wish you could change about our industry? So here I would say, I wish the industry could allow us to grow more sustainably than everyone racing to, to a point where you're just competing on meta bits. Yeah, that's fair. Favorite podcast? How I built this normalizes you know the the polarizing emotions that a founder like ourselves can go through totally that was like my first first podcast that you know really got me excited about being a founder favorite newsletter so it's a new one express checkout by nate Nate rosen Rosen. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah just found him cpg news great great newsletter yeah he's awesome favorite social media channel i'm some loud and proud asian brand and, you know, on Instagram, TikTok, or just across all the channels? Across all, but I use Instagram a lot more. Favorite book? So a recent one that I read, Courage to be Disliked. I really like it. I think that speaks volumes about the things we do. Sometimes we, we kind of piece everyone. Mm, I, I like that one. Favorite event that you're planning on going to this year? I think it's a classic, Expo West. Yeah, for sure. Love Expo. Are you going to go to Expo East? Uh, we're still planning on it. Well, I'll see you there. Kai, where can people connect with you? I think the best channel would be on our socials, so at Reprise Health. Awesome. Well, Kai, it was so good having you on. It was great to hear more of the story of Reprise. Thanks for your time. Okay. Thank you, Kate. Bye. If you liked this podcast, follow me and The Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice. 
Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.